59. We're going to be continuing along in 1 Timothy this evening, the remainder of chapter 1 that we started last week. So please follow along with me. This is 1 Timothy chapter 12, or chapter 1, excuse me, verses 12 to 20. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight, holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, uh, tonight we have some fun things, if you just noticed. Um, we have the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy about the unending love of Jesus, about something about prophecies, and then that great ending about handing people over to Satan. Um, the title, Unlimited Patience, is taken from verse 16 of the text because that's really what I want to focus on. Uh, that song we just sang is... a. Uh, by a band called The Fray. And they're actually not a worship band. They're not a Christian band. um, But a lot of the guys in the band are Christians. And they wrote that song because in their lives and the way they've experienced God in their lives, they've always felt him with them. And I love that song um, for that reason. There's nothing better to me than hearing a song on popular radio or in a store or just some environment that's not explicitly Christian hearing about the truth of God. And so tonight, as we go forward, uh, let's look at what Paul's telling Timothy about the truth of God, about who God is, and about what that means for us. The Apostle Paul starts out in verses 12 through 14, kind of that first paragraph, talking about his own faith, talking about his own need for Jesus. He's kind of getting us all on the same page here. He's saying, listen, my name's Paul. I'm this guy who has traveled all around preaching. People know who I am. I mean, this letter he wrote became scripture. We consider it the word of God. He was an important person. And he says that he must recognize Christ as the strength and the calling in his life. That it's nothing he has done but the grace of God that has flown through him. He says that in his appointment to service... It redeemed him of the violence and his blasphemy, and that God was merciful. If you're familiar with the Apostle Paul's history, this is right on. He was a very bad guy. He wasn't just against Christianity. 
He was actively against Christianity. He would, well, it says multiple things, but one of the things it says is that he would vote to put Christians to death. If there was a vote and a Christian was about to be put to death for his faith, he would vote yes, that that Christian would be stoned. It says that when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, that the Apostle Paul, young Saul, was there and he approved of it. We also know that the Apostle Paul would travel from town to town trying to find Christians, that they might get arrested and get in trouble and be thrown in jail. He wasn't just against Christianity, he was actively against it. And he says that I am the worst of all these sinners, I am the worst you could be, and that the Lord has forgiven me. And and at first I think, well, I don't know if you're the worst ever, Paul. It was bad, but I can think of some people, especially in the 20th century, maybe, who were worse. Um, But it's not a competition. It's this idea that do we think, think of the worst person, whoever it is. Maybe it's someone who's hurt you, someone who's a historical figure. You know, we all think of the worst person. and, 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 And do we believe that the grace of God could cover that person as well? See, one of the things that made the Apostle Paul so effective was that he believed that there was no one outside the grace of God. There was no one whom Christ's forgiveness could not reach. That it was limitless. In verse 16, he says that it was unlimited. That the grace and the patience God had for him was unlimited. Some different translations say perfect, some say immense. I like the word unlimited. It's never-ending. You know, I actually thought about this, uh, Joe, with our conversation we had at lunch. We were talking, you know, if you guys don't know Joe, that's Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, we were talking about space and what she does, and she's an astrophysicist, yeah? Sorry, I didn't ask you permission to share this. But. And she deals with space, and she studies galaxies. Infinite space. Can we understand? It's hard to understand that, isn't it? Think of infinite grace and forgiveness. Infinite patience of our Lord with us. And this is kind of why the world thinks we're crazy, isn't it? That we believe there is a God who sent his son. He walked around on the earth for 33 years, give or take died on a cross, rose from the dead, and that because of this act, (laughs) we believe we have unlimited patience with our God. Logically, it's, it's nonsense. I mean, really, truly, if you were to just say what is true is only that which can be proven and you believe the logic and the rationale of the world, this would make zero sense. And not only that, But in verse 17, Paul even says something. He says that we give all honor and glory to this invisible God. So so not only is this God um, somewhat magical, as seen by the outside world, but that we decide that we give all honor and glory of our lives. And this is why the world thinks we're crazy. I mean, it is. This is why the world kind of looks down on us. But if it's true, what are we to do? Um, there was a great um, French philosopher and theologian named Blaise Pascal who basically said, listen, he was a mathematician, and he said, logically, Christianity actually makes sense to me. Because if it's true, 
then we have gained all the promises of the Bible. We have gained heaven and eternal life and forgiveness. But if it's not true, at the very least, I've gained a moral, upright life in service to other people. And in his mind, he basically said, listen, this is the best option for life. But the world doesn't even go that far. They think we're crazy. But the Apostle Paul says that this is the truth. We believe that this is the truth. Many of us have experienced the love of God. And it's not just a belief in our head, but also in our hearts. And so then we are to be faithful, according to the Apostle Paul. The outpouring of this belief, if we agree with him, is that we are to be faithful. And he tells Timothy, he tells Timothy that because of the prophecies on your life, keep the faith. Now prophecy, kind of a weird word. Some of us think of different things um, depending on where we come from, our background, uh, spiritual gifts, all that stuff. I don't want to go too much into that, but this is what I want to say about that. Uh, he's not talking about a crystal ball. He's not talking about future. He's not talking about, you know, predicting something. He's, what he's saying is that Timothy had a calling on his life, and it was seen, and it was words of encouragement were spoken over him that you should be a leader in the church, Timothy. You have been called. It is very obvious that you have been called. I have a similar story. Some of us in our jobs have similar stories. We excel at something. We do well at something. We enjoy something. And people notice, hey, wow, maybe you're called to be doing this. Maybe this is your service. And that's all he's saying here. He's saying, Timothy, you have been seen by others. You have been seen by others to be a pastor and that other people have noticed this. Keep going. You're going to have trials. You're going to have struggles. People are going to think that this God you believe in, this invisible God, makes no sense. But keep going. Keep the faith. Fight the good fight. And then he gives this great image of these two other people who haven't done this. He says, do not become shipwrecked, which is a wonderful analogy, I think. When I think of shipwrecked, I think of a boat slammed against the rocks, someone clinging for their life, and they swim to this desert island, and they're helpless, they're thirsty, they're lost. Not the fun kind of shipwreck like Swiss Family Robinson or in a movie where you're riding ostriches and swinging from trees and building tree houses, but truly lost. I mean, think of what a shipwreck would really be like. And this is what the Apostle Paul says, that when we do not keep our faith, what we are doing is we are shipwrecking ourselves. When we turn away from God and choose to believe what the world says, we are driving our boat into rocks. And then he says something that to me is very difficult to wrap my head around as a leader. Um, He says that he has handed these men over to Satan. He says that he has handed them over to Satan, that they should learn not to blaspheme. Theologically, this is kind of a big issue. We don't have a ton of time. He only mentions this one other time. Um, If you want to study it later, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He also says the same phrase. And what he's saying is essentially this. Remember, well, remember last week when he talked about doctrine, we talked about the importance of good doctrine and understanding the difference between myths and truth. 
Well, here I think this is important. You know, this passage has three issues that a lot of people fight about. It talks about an invisible God who rose from the dead. It talks about prophecies, which a lot of people argue about. And it also talks about the existence and the power of the devil, of Satan. And there's a lot, as we talk about doctrine that this, in this church, that we agree to disagree on, if that makes sense. We are the international Protestant church, so we're not Lutheran, we're not Methodist, we're not Presbyterian, we are a Protestant church. And we all have little differences we agree on. But the issues that we allow space for in differences, like, say, baptism, right? Some of us were baptized as infants. Some of us were baptized as adults. My wife and I are that way. She was baptized as an infant. I was baptized as an adult. That's what it is. But what Paul's saying here is something I think that's bigger. When we talk about doctrine and we read a passage like this, that's really, truly very difficult. I mean, what would it look like today Or what what would you say to someone who came to you and said, hey, I was reading this book, and this guy who's supposed to be this wonderful pastor, this Apostle Paul, who's supposed to be this loving guy, he says that he handed two people over to Satan. Does that mean he sent them to hell? Does that mean that, what, what happened? Well, if you read the passage in Corinthians when he uses that passage, the same phrase, excuse me, he talks about that he hands people or removes people from the church that they would come back to their faith. Those who have shipwrecked their faith or those who have said, I do not believe these things, he as a pastor and as a leader has said, hey, then you cannot be here. Because I believe that with this situation specifically, these men were creating division in the church. We don't know exactly historically what they were doing or what they were teaching, but we know that they were creating division. We know that they were arguing against the teachings of Scripture and the teachings of Jesus in some way. And for those of you um, who aren't in ministry, I I would give you something like this. Think about your family, right? Think about a family party. Everyone's together. It's a family reunion, okay? Everyone's together, and everyone's there, and everyone's loving it, and this distant cousin is there, and he's the one that just drinks a little bit too much, And he starts arguing with everyone. And not like, ha-ha, funny arguing, you know, but really arguing with someone and talking about politics and talking about family history and talking about my great-grand... Your grandfather stole from my grandfather. And just this person who is irate, who really doesn't even want to be there other than just to fight. And so the Apostle Paul says here that these men were teaching, were, were blaspheming the name of God, were teaching against the truth of Scripture, and that he said, listen, the goal here is to hand them, is to kick them out of the church so that they would learn the truth and how they have erred in their ways. Not forever, but so that they would repent. And my first thought was, man, did Paul have to be so difficult? Did Paul have to be so harsh? And the reality is, <laughs> life's difficult. There are times we have to make difficult choices. I mentioned this last week. This letter is written to Timothy, a young pastor, but it's also a letter about leadership. And each one of us in this room is a leader of some way or some kind, whether it's at our jobs, whether it's in our schools, whether it's with our family, or we will be leaders down the road. And we need to understand that there are times when there is division, And when people are fighting and when people are arguing, that we need to release people and we need to allow people 
and sometimes forcefully as leaders, as Christians, to say, I cannot allow this any longer. It's difficult. But I think in this situation especially, too, that Paul is giving them their wish. It would be like if there was someone here at IPC coming on Sunday night, sitting up in front, who didn't agree with the Bible, who said, I don't really agree with this whole thing. I don't really agree that there's a devil. I believe everyone goes to heaven. And they came to me, and they were sitting here talking with me every night, Sunday nights, after sermon, arguing with me about my sermon for 30 minutes. And every week they're sitting there and they're writing me emails and they're doing all this other stuff. At some point, as a pastor, as a leader, I would have to say, listen, why are you here? Why are you here just to fight and to blaspheme and to create division? And this, I believe, is what was happening. This, I believe, is what was going on. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, keep the faith. Don't shipwreck your faith like these other people have done. Don't shipwreck your faith like you've seen other people do. Don't run your boat into the rocks, leaving you stranded. But follow the path God has for you. See, as Christians, we want total assurance, don't we? We want that perfect plan. We want to know, hey, if I do this thing and this thing and this thing, then I'll be good. I'll be successful, Jesus will love me, and I'll be happy. But really what Paul is saying, there is going to be difficult times. There is going to be times when people don't agree with you. There is going to be times as a leader, as a Christian, as anything in life, that you are going to have to make difficult decisions. And what Paul is saying here is that what matters is our faith, and that we are yearning for God. I love that word yearning. It's not just a desire. It's not just a want But it's like this intrinsic thing inside of us where our whole body and our whole soul want something. It's not just a want like I want a cookie. I want to yearn for God. The way Jesus phrases this is like this. In John chapter 15, he's talking about a vine and branches. And he says that we must learn to abide in him. Not just be with him on Sundays. Not just be with him in the morning when we're reading our Bible or when we find time to read our Bible. But that we must learn through our faith and our desire to be with him at all times, to abide in him, to be constantly connected to him like a, or like a grapevine is connected. Excuse me. So my question to you tonight is what service... And what has God called you to? Here we have an example of a young pastor named Timothy. What is God calling you to? And I'm not necessarily talking about vocation. Jobs are good and they're important. But what is it that God is calling you to in your life? What is it that God is calling to in your life? And you're on this journey and he's saying, stay with me on this. Stay with me that you would not be shipwrecked. Abide in me. Keep the faith What service, what area of life does God desire more of you? Sometimes this is difficult. Sometimes this is difficult because we fail, don't we? We've tried things before and we haven't done the best job. We have these fears that, you know, what if we fail? What if I try this new thing and it doesn't work? What if I try to lead in this way and people don't respect me? What if... I I, I try this, and, and it doesn't work. 
This is the great thing about God, is that hey, um, he knows we're going to fail. God knows you will fail. I'm going to tell you this right now. You're going to fail. There are things in your life you are going to try, you are going to venture out, and you are going to say, God, help me, and it's not going to work out. Whether because of something you do, something someone else does, that's not the point. The point is what Paul said in verse 16, that God has unlimited patience with us. And that if we keep the faith, and if we keep trusting in him, and we yearn for God... that he will forgive us. Remember what Jesus said about forgiveness? Not seven times seven, but 70 times seven. I don't mean to be a pessimist, but there will be times when we fail. And there will be times when we do things we probably should have done them a different way. And that's okay. Paul says that God has unlimited patience. God knows we will fail, but he loves us so intimately that he's holding us when we do. I I thought about this, and I thought of a child, like a toddler at a playground. This is kind of how it it helps me. You ever see a toddler at a playground really trying to test their limits? What do they do, right? They climb up something, and the parent's kind of watching, and they say, okay, they'll be all right. Now, if the toddler or if the small child goes to, like, jump off the side, they're going to stop them, right? God's not going to allow us to, you know, nosedive off the side of the playground, But he's going to let us fall and scrape our knee. He's going to let us trip. He's going to let us stumble, that we would learn, that we would grow, because he has this unlimited patience for us when we are faithful and when we are yearning for him, that we would learn and grow. And we look back on our lives and we see, wow, this is really how he works, isn't it? We fail and we look back and we see, wow, look at all of the things I learned. It was difficult and it was hard. But God was glorified. Me, personally, before this position and us moving to Switzerland, I was unemployed, and I couldn't find a job. And it wasn't just that I couldn't find the right job. I couldn't find any job. It was what I called supernatural unemployment. I couldn't figure it out. And I would, and, and, and I would be a finalist, and I would interview, and I would come home, and Jenna would say, how'd it go? And I'd say, oh, nailed it. Like, there's no way I'm not getting this position. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be awesome. I, I, I just, I did everything right, and I know God wants this for me. And then it didn't work. <laughs> and I remember being like, Lord, this is awful. Sometimes it was anger. Sometimes it was tears. Sometimes it was just like, it was comical. It, why do things like this happen? And it's okay to be honest in those times. It's okay to be honest when we're shipwrecked or when we're struggling and we think, God, this isn't fair. But as that song said in the Old Testament reading read from Psalm 46, he says what? Be still and know that I am God. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not. And this is what Paul is saying. He's saying God has unlimited patience with us. He will be there tomorrow. He will be there the next day. And tomorrow, you may do a great job. And then Tuesday, you may nosedive. And that's okay. See, this is why the world doesn't believe, and this is why the world struggles with God. 
They read the Bible and they see things like God killing people. And in the book of Joshua, they say there was this genocide of the Canaanites. And that Jesus, or that God only loves this people group and hates this people group. And that how could you believe in this God? He's not who you say he is. And I don't know about you, but I look at my life and how he's cared for me, how he's nurtured me along, how he's been so patient with me as I learn, sometimes have to learn lessons over and over and over again. This is my trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Paul said, this is mine, that God's mercy trumps his judgment. Think about that. God's mercy trumps his judgment. God is good. God is a righteous judge. And he has every right to judge us harshly, doesn't he? He has every right to say, look at the things you have done. Tell me how this is righteousness. But instead, he says, no, here is my son. And because of him, you are righteous in my eyes. God's mercy will always trump his judgment for those who are faithful and those who yearn after him. And so the Apostle Paul tells Timothy the same thing we are to know, that we are to hold on to the faith. Some of you may feel like you're shipwrecked right now, that there's not unlimited patience, that it's run out. And I'm here to tell you that's okay too. Be honest with God. Tonight, we're going to go to the table for communion And ask God to pull you off the rocks and get you going on the right way again. If you ever read the Psalms, they're full of people who aren't always happy with God. They're full of people who are in really tough spots. And that's okay. So tonight, be encouraged. Be of good hope. God has prepared for us the things he has called us to. And if we fail... And if we fall on our face, if we become shipwrecked, he has patience, he has forgiven us, and he is there to guide us to the path that he has set before us with unlimited patience and love through the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. You are good. And your mercy endures forever. Your patience is unlimited for those who are faithful. Lord, we desire to know you. We desire to have more of you. Lord, tonight as we come to the table, we yearn for you. And Lord, we know that because of your Son, We are seen as righteous in your eyes. We are seen as sons and daughters whom you love so deeply. Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you for the unlimited patience you display with us. And thank you for your forgiveness. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.